so as you're you're pulling together your job postings, you're thinking about which ones you're going to apply for, you've got kind of this internalized list of this is what I want, this is what I want in this position. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get to the actual like bringing together of materials, right? Yeah. And something that I, d- I don't know how you, f- you feel about this, but like, I was told repeatedly, like, every packet needs to be built from scratch. Like, it's a cake, and it's their yep. birthday. And there's <laughs> no way. No. Like, there's, there's no, no way. way. To make, let's say you get to 10, which is a great job market. It's a, you, it's a delightful you job You cannot market. write 10 separate letters, partially because it's too much work, so going back to your time, but partially because you're still you. You care about the same things, and... You don't want to, and this is part of what's implied there, is you have to be a different person in each job. You can't be a different person, and you don't want to apply to jobs that you're going to be unhappy doing. Don't do that to yourself. Even if you need the money, there are most likely enough opportunities to do things you like doing. We don't get paid enough to hate what we're doing, but say we're making so much money, you know, that we'll do that. Not making it rain. Like I don't see, I don't see you doing this. No, not and I yet. I feel if anyone here were to do that, it would be you. So you're my like <laughs> litmus paper for how prosperous our jobs I, are. Yes, and and they're fine jobs. I mean, I I mm-hmm. want to say that in most places, not probably not everywhere, but in most places, if you are working for a university and you get a regular salary, you can be just fine. But you're not gonna make it rain. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. You're not making Bezos money. No, or anything remotely. Or like half of connect. Bezos money, yeah. or an eighth of Bezos money, or sixteenth of Bezos money, yeah. like, and going down and down and down. But those fractions. But you can you can have a good life. But at that point, you've got to do something you love. And one of the things that made and going back to choice. I'm sorry, I'm taking us back because we'll move forward to talk about. Oh, because you know I'm going to push you forward. Yeah, you're going to push me forward. But one of the reasons that we actually made the choice about Lincoln was uh, affordability, but also quality of life. Quality of life when you're living 20 minutes from campus and you don't have to be two and a half hours in traffic Mm -hmm. is a huge bonus. And now we work remotely, so there are other ways to mitigate uh, Mm -hmm. long commutes. But, uh, you know, knowing that I finish work and 15 minutes, especially in the afternoon, 15 minutes later, I'm at home with my kids, and I can go to parent-teacher conferences and all of that and not spend these hours in the car. That's, that's gold. And that's quality of work life. Yes. So I'm going to follow your segue for a second. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sometimes, sometimes I let Guy lead me astray, and we just wander in the woods chatting, and then we are like, it's a podcast. It's a great idea. Um, okay, so like... So 15 minutes drive. Yep. As a Jewish person mm-hmm. in Nebraska, yeah. I would imagine that your quality of religious life is not the same as it would be if you were in, say, True. California. So talk to me a little bit about that. True. So you have to think about um, your people, your community. In my case, it's being Jewish, but it can be um, being Chinese or whatever whatever you want to be relate uh, that you clearly relate to i'll be honest when i had an interview here one of the stops during my interview was the jewish community 
So that was their initiative to connect me to the Like, was there a block? The community? How did this work? Like, this is the Jewish community. This is the gateway. Here's where you slide your no, ticket. No, we actually went to visit uh, the synagogue. There's a synagogue in town. Mm-hmm. We got to visit. Uh, we were welcomed. Uh, there were a few uh, professors, uh, Jewish professors here. So they connected us. And they asked, do you want to go? They did not force me to, obviously. But when I came with Sarah, we, we went. And we were welcomed very warmly. And so that was actually part of the thing that worked for us. Um, that's always a challenge, uh, but that's if that is important to you. I know, for example, with uh, many Chinese family, having Chinese school during the weekend mm-hmm. is important. In our case, it was a Hebrew school uh, in the middle of the week in the afternoons and on the weekends. That was important to us. It was available. So that, that is, was definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that we have some faculty members who are actually living in Omaha with, that has a bigger Jewish community, and they commute mm-hmm. to Lincoln because they wanted that big community. So you have to think about what it is. Yeah, so there's like doing. the quality of work life, and then there's yeah. the quality of like life. Yes, life. community. Yeah. And and what is your community? What do you want to have? And are you going to get it there? Because eventually you will need it. Sometimes very early on. Sometimes in the beginning you're so focused on work that you don't pay attention. Sooner or later you're going to pay attention. I mean, at the the end of the day, a job is a job. Mm -hmm. It's not a life. It's a job. And so having that, those other things are really important. Yeah. Right? Um, okay, so getting back to you've thought through what kind of position you want. You've started accumulating job postings. There's a couple of things that documents specifically that you can collect that are really, really helpful. Um, your CV. Keep your CV updated. Uh, every last Friday of the month, set a calendar reminder to update your CV so that you're mm-hmm. not going... When was that conference? <laughs> life hack. It's a Karen Woolman life hack. She trained me to do that as a grad student, and, and that's it's great. Like brilliant. Um, draft a research statement. Draft a diversity, equity, and inclusion statement. Um, collect some writing samples. If you've not, if you're a grad student, your main contribution is your dissertation at that point in time. So work on having a results chapter or some piece of that available to send along with your packet if requested. Um, and then start thinking through those letters. I find the, the, the application letter to be the most important part mm-hmm. of that application. And I don't, again, I could be, I could, yep. I could come out of this at a, at a different way, but I don't draft, I wouldn't draft every letter from scratch every single time but I'd have chunks, right, depending on what they're asking what, for. What the position is asking for, right? Looking at the position, what are they putting as the first qualification? What do they want the first quali- the, the required qualifications to be? What do they want the minimum qualifications to be? What's the order of importance that the posting's telling me to pay attention to? And then I draft chunks around my research agenda, my research projects, my teaching, my service, my service to the profession, et cetera, et cetera, that allow me to place those within a letter, write mm-hmm. the connective tissue, and then send them out. And, and I think the most important thing about the letter 
is to highlight the things that are partially invisible in your CV. Because mm -hmm. we are very good, so I've sat on enough hiring committee, you have probably sat on quite a few. The CV talks, mm -hmm. right? And what you see in the CV is probably the most powerful evidence, but sometimes the evidence is not fully clear, especially when you're a graduate student. Right. It's not fully clear everything you've done. So the letter is your opportunity to say, it's not fully clear in my CV because there's no way to articulate that specific thing, but I have actually done these three things mm -hmm. in these opportunities, and that's how I'm meeting. And that's especially important with minimum qualifications, because if you don't meet minimum, you're not going to get anything. Right. You have to make sure you meet minimum qualifications. But even on the preferred, if it's there and you have some evidence, make it visible. And your CV, depending on what it looks like, depending on what it is, may or may not show that. So the letter is kind of highlighting. It's not a repetition of the CV. Mm -hmm. It's an articulation of what is important, what do I want you to pay attention to. And I think that's the most important point about that letter of application is it's not oh, I did this, I did this, I did this. They can read that on your yeah. CV. The letter of applications, your opportunity to storify yeah. your exactly. CV. Like, how do all these different pieces of your CV connect together and tell the story of who you are as an applicant and the skills that you bring and the interests that you have to that particular institution? And I think the, the, the weaker letters I've seen being on hiring committees simply view the letter of application as, hey, I'm applying for this job, here's what I've done, and then they end it. Yeah. Like, it's not a formality, it's an opportunity to draw connections between all the different pieces of your yeah. CV and all of the other things that they're asking you to provide mm -hmm. to set the stage. Yeah, and, and sometimes there are things that are invisible, and I think my about my research career, there are things I'm working on right now that have not seen the light of day and are not really on my CV yet because I'm doing analysis on something that is really exciting and brand new. Mm -hmm. It's not on my CV because I haven't published yet, and I, I personally don't put papers in process on my CV, although earlier you might, uh, earlier in your career. Did you see that judgy look he just that gave me? <laughs> Yes, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm no, just, it was direct was, eye contact. It was. Okay. I feel. I feel. All right. Triggered. So, but my point is that uh, there are things that are truly invisible. So you want to bring them visible and say, and lately, this is what I've been working about, and this is what I'm aiming at, and this is what I see. Uh, part of my research going. That's hard to see. Um, I think teaching is the same way because mm -hmm. some people get the opportunity. So full-time graduate students often and should get the opportunity to teach mm -hmm. and to teach, especially in, in our area. It's always, have you taught methods classes? Have you taught online? There are a few things that I think everybody should be able to do. But if you're doing this as a part-time uh, doctoral program, so you're still working as a teacher or administrator or something else, uh, you have less opportunities to do that, and that's just too much. So you have to find what are the other opportunities to point at, I can do, uh, I've worked in professional development, I've done an, a, a workshop, I've, you have to find the opportunity to make that visible. And again, on the CV, it may be there, but really subdued, like page mm -hmm. seven of a CV. CVs can get really long after a while. 
depending on your experience and everything else that has happened in your life, but uh, you want to make sure that they're finding them, they're finding that evidence. So. Well, and I think too, back to your comment earlier about when you were on the job market that first time thinking about how you were special education yeah. and literacy and there was one other category that I... Educational psychology. Educational psychology. Um, and the letter really is an opportunity for you to think about how you're branding yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in a similar yeah. situation. My first job was illiteracy education, but with a special education bend. Mm -hmm. And because of the background that I had at Indiana as a grad student teaching within their special education program, like, I was able to really highlight that. Yeah in my letter and talk about how, yes, I was a literacy education generalist, but I worked within this special education framework in ways that I don't think would have been clear if they had just looked at my CV. Mm -hmm. So that letter is an opportunity to really craft your yeah. story for exactly what they're looking at. And, and um, just as a point of advice, that we haven't talked about. But if, as a graduate student, you get the chance to serve on a committee, if there's a call mm -hmm. for a graduate student on a hiring committee, go. Join, because what you learn there is valuable. Mm -hmm. You're part of the discussion. You're hearing how people are, you're hearing and seeing how people read the CV and the letter and what are they paying attention to and whatnot. And it doesn't mean it's the whole truth because every committee is a little bit different or a lot different. But it'll give you some insight. And also, if your institution is hiring and they're doing the presentations and the teaching presentations, whatever you can go to, just to go to see how other people present themselves and what mm -hmm. is the reaction in the conversation after, that is, uh, that is gold. Because I've seen, I went at um, my time at UCR, um, I've gone to about four or five talks that taught me so much. Mm -hmm. I've seen people being obnoxious. People have catastrophic um, technology failure without a backup and completely losing it inside that moment. I've seen so many things of what not to do that I loved it. And you're like, here's what not to do. That's why you need to be ready for this happening. What's your backup strategy? And 20 years ago, PowerPoint and projectors failed on a regular basis. That was that was a 50-50 proposition. Mm -hmm. Today we're doing a little bit better and people don't expect you to have a backup for that, but you have to have a backup for your computer didn't work. You've got to think about, and, and you get some of that by just watching other people make mistakes and mm -hmm. people make mistakes all the time. All the time. Except yours, yours was perfect. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, oh, talk about backup plans. But that's that's for another, like, maybe yeah. that needs to be another, like... Backup plans. Maybe that needs to be another pod. Like, also, so you got an interview. Now what do you do? <laughs> well, yeah, we, we will do one on interviews because I think that the advice around having an extra pair of pants is really important. Oh, see, I never, I never worried about the pants. Now I'm going to worry about the pants. Yeah, I think you should. But I'm not... Everybody should. I don't want to be on the job market again. Pants are still important. I mean, truth. <laughs> All right, let's this move on. Okay. All right. So, um, are there any, can you think of any, like, don'ts during this initial, like, job marketing I process? I think that 
few of the don'ts, which are very similar to other uh, things I think about when you're going to a new place. Don't make assumptions about who you're going to work with unless you've worked with them before. Mm -hmm. So don't identify somebody who's at that faculty and say, oh, I'm going to work with so-and-so, and we're going to have a super productive research career because they may not want to work with you. It may be presumptuous. And also when you're reading their CVs, because they didn't listen to the advice of it, uh, constantly update your CV and make sure that your public face is... Monthly, not constantly. Constantly will make you crazy. Mo no, no. Com monthly is constantly. Because for a while in my career, I was updating it maybe once every other year. So it was getting really bad. Um, but no, not quite as bad. But uh, not, not that much better. Maybe once a so year. So many questions. Uh, for annual review, I would do that. But that's about it. Uh, but um, you, you don't want to make assumptions about people you, you're not already working with. So mm -hmm. I could make assumptions about working with uh, Kathy Wilson because she was here. And we were already in the middle of writing three pieces together. So I knew that was somebody I could work with. But with other people, you can speculate. You can suggest that there might be an opportunity. But... Don't make decisions for other people because that's going to probably be ill-received. Um, mm. And never, the other thing is never assume you've got it in the bag because you know somebody or because you went to a better institution than the institution you're applying to or whatever. Because I've seen that arrogance with some people uh, that came and it was... The way they carried themselves, I don't know how if they felt about it because I'm on the receiving end, but it's like I'm, I'm better than you kind of an um, attitude that comes out even in the letter. Mm. And so, so that's one. And the other thing is the opposite, and that is it's clear that you don't know who we are and what the job uh, ad asked for. And so you're just basically sending the CV in a one-paragraph uh, letter that says, I'm applying to this job because I would like to have it. And I've seen those, too. And mm -hmm. it's like, you, you're not a really even trying. And you have to, I mean, the way I think about jobs in general in academia is it's a gamble. It's a gamble for both sides. So what both sides are trying to do is hedge their bets and try to find the best fit that will work for everybody so everybody can be happy. So the if you're making an effort that's to an institution, that's hedging the bet. And if you're not making the effort, then the institution is saying, you don't really care. If you're not even trying to get the job, what will happen when you give you the job? Mm -hmm. That is the thing that goes in our, in our brain. It's like, if you don't care now, we'll give you a job in an office, and you're going to care even less, because now you're, you're there. And so I think look like you're trying. Look like you're trying, but don't over try yeah like one of my pet peeves is whenever i'm working with people on the job market is if you have a genuine question for the chair of the search yeah ask send it. it yeah but if you're just asking questions to be like i just want to get their e i just want to get my name in their email they yeah know who you right. are they, yeah the materials are already there and right? they're gonna like, look at them they're not gonna skip you right like they're already there so if you ask a question that isn't a genuine question, like you have to be really skilled in order to pull that off. And I find most aren't to mm -hmm. ask a question that's not a genuine question. And that becomes like, oh, huh, interesting that they not read the job posting. So it actually yeah. has kind of an opposite effect. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, this this applicant isn't hasn't actually like 
thought about or read this job posting. But if it's a genuine question, that's a different matter. Yeah. But sending questions just for the sake of like, oh, getting my name out there, getting my name in, in these people's email inboxes, I don't recommend that. Just to get your name out, definitely not. And also things that end up in people's uh, inboxes will not be considered part of the package. So right. if you have something to include, include it in the formal application because external materials are usually at least frowned upon. If not outright, we're going to ignore that. Right. Uh, because you sent it this way. Unless they explicitly said, sometimes a posting said, please send this piece directly to the person who's running the search. That does happen. Listen to, that goes back to read carefully. Mm -hmm. And what they want, where they want it sent, what are all the details, set up a spreadsheet. And <laughs> if you're not sure, please, please, please go. If you have a professor you're working with, definitely your a direct advisor, but sometimes there's somebody else that's helpful that will help you read carefully mm -hmm. because this is the essence of close reading. So you've got to read the details. I often gloss over uh, ads, and then when I read the detail, it feels like a very different ad. It, the devil is in the detail. God is in the detail. However you want to do it. <laughs> the details are there for a purpose, and you want to read that very carefully because it might be perfect for you, and it might not be. And it's not in the title, assistant professor of. Mm -hmm. It's in those very specific requirements. Well, and so one of the steps that I didn't always go straight to spreadsheet as I was yeah. as I was collecting postings, I would print out the posting, yeah, and then annotate it. Oh wow! So I'd be so just so I could be so I could see like oh this is what they want and they want these to address these things and this has to get sent here da 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 and then that's the information that I would distill into the spreadsheet because yeah. Mm -hmm. Those details, those details are important. Uh, and, and I think they've gotten more important over time. I think people are a lot more specific now. And having mm -hmm. worked with somebody fairly recently, we actually both worked with the same person, and I saw um, how she was reading the ads and how we read it very, very differently. You want that advice. Mm -hmm. You want to talk to somebody who's been through it, uh, if at all like possible. Like us. Yeah. Send us an email. <laughs> oh, maybe not. No. <laughs> Send questions. Send questions. We're happy to answer. But yeah, that close reading is really critical. And reading it with somebody else, even somebody else who's in the search process, helps you identify the nuggets you skipped over. And I think that's one of the traps of all the online materials is it's easier to, it's harder to annotate and it's easier to just jump things mm -hmm. because that's how we read online, I would argue. And so printing out might be a really good strategy um, or doing a close reading with somebody. I actually read it to, m to myself out loud as a strategy to slow Very E.B. White of you. Yeah. Very yeah. E.B. White. Well, so, okay. In this episode, we worked to kind of demystify the beginning parts of the job market. There's lots of other pieces to it. Yeah. Um, like what happens if you get some interest? What, what, what goes on there? But hopefully what we hoped to do was to provide some clarity around thinking about what is it exactly that you want in your job? After, you, after graduate school, where do you find jobs? What are some strategies for that? And then how do, you, how do you organize those materials? How do you think about getting them sent in? And so hopefully, hopefully this has been helpful. And it's stuff that feels hard earned after 
I've done multiple job searches. I've done multiple you... job searches, although I've stayed in this job, but I've done a few extra job searches throughout my history, and I've learned to do them better and better. I think I've gotten better over time. Also, serving on committees help mm. you kind of figure that out. And I do want to say, we'll do other episodes about what happens before, because you can build up to this, as I've kept saying, there are building blocks you put out earlier that will help you during the job search. And then, um, obviously, and you alluded to this, we're going to also talk about what happens if you get a phone interview. What is that all about? And what can or you do Zoom about interview. it? A Zoom interview. And what, what the, what, how to prepare for the two day or a day and a half or whatever your interview time is if you actually get to go on a campus visit. Um, and so we'll do those as well because that is part of uh, making it happen. This process, getting all organized and getting everything sent, is so you will get enough interest so that you will get called on the phone or to the campus. Mm -hmm. But then you have a big task of nailing that because your file can look great, but if you do not do well on that visit or even on a phone interview, that's usually the end of that uh, of that. No pressure. The work on, with that institution. No pressure. Lots of pressure. So much pressure. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully this is this has helped relieve some of that pressure. Like if you set up some systems that work for you that actually align with like who you want to be as an academic, um, it will it will make it a little bit easier maybe. But even if after all of that uh, you're experiencing some heart palpitations, maybe some shortness of breath, don't talk to us. Call your GP, your general practitioner because we're not that kind of doctor.